The sermon title is God's Power in Our Weakness. And uh, we know that God has given us all talents and gifts, abilities, which we should practice and study and work to develop to improve. And it's perfectly natural then that we usually end up serving in our areas of strength and confidence. However, I think that there are two main points that we should always remember as we do serve in our, in our areas of talent and confidence. First, of course, is that this gift, this talent, this ability we have is from God. And, second, and also that even as we've worked hard to improve it, that opportunity to improve it and the strength to improve it is also all a gift from God. So we can't really be proud of our talents or abilities because they're all a gift. And the second point is that these gifts are not just for us. They're gifts for us to share with the church and with the world at large. And if we remember that, then we can really um, be empowered to be a blessing to the people around us because instead of just being prideful and depending on our own strength, we can have this divine confidence as we step out and do something in our own talents and strengths because we know they came from God. And he gave us that ability to do this for his kingdom. And so we can have divine confidence, not sinful pride. And that's really um, very, really, uh, it gives us a great freedom to serve the Lord in his kingdom. But there's a danger when we're always serving in our strengths, in our talents. We might get so good at it that we just rely on those and we don't rely on God. We think, oh, like me. You ask me to sing a solo up here, I'm there. I'm fine. That's not a problem. Preach, I'm still relying on God because I'm not a confident in my own ability. So there is that danger when we act in our own talents that um, God doesn't get the glory. We get the glory. And it doesn't accomplish what it could. But just think if instead we're working in our strengths, but we're letting God empower us to do far beyond what we could imagine we could do, then uh, it's, it's amazing the things God can do through us. But today I don't really want to talk about our talents or our giftings or our areas of strength. I want to talk about our weaknesses, our lack of ability, our feelings of inadequacy. Fun, huh? Um, <laughs> sometimes we're asked to do something that we feel totally unable to do. And it's okay to refuse and say, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that. I'm really not any good at it. But sometimes people won't take no for an answer. And then we really have to rely on God when we have to do something we can't do. I used to teach uh, math and Japanese in a Christian high school. And one year, there was a part-time English literature teacher who had to take a leave of absence. The principal decided he didn't want to hire a part-time English teacher just for one year and then be stuck with her and not feel like he could fire her or anything. So he said, Elizabeth, I want you to teach these two English classes to junior high school students in place of Mrs. I don't even remember her name, Mrs. Jones, just for this year in, instead of two of your math classes. 
I said, oh, no, that's not a good idea. You see, I've only taken one literature class in college. It's really not my area of strength. I don't know anything about it. it would, you should get somebody else more qualified. And, of course, he said, no, in his foolishness. He said, anybody who can teach Japanese can teach anything. He had this idea that I was brilliant, you know, so he figured I could do it. And then I said, no, yeah, that's not true. And he goes, well, you certainly could do better than any of my other math teachers. And I'm going, yeah, that's probably right. But still, <laughs> I'm inadequate. To teach junior level English literature to prepare these kids for college? I don't think so. I found out I was going to have to teach Shakespeare's Hamlet, which, to tell you the truth, I had never even read before, and then several other difficult novels. So I went back to the principal. I pleaded with him. I even cried and said, I really can't do this. Please don't make me do this. And he said, you don't have to do it, but if you don't, you can look for another job. <laughs> this guy was a tough cookie, I tell you. I, I, you know, I forgive him in Jesus' name, but I never learned to love the man. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway um, so I said, I believe you are the boss God has put over me for this season, so I'll do it. And he said, good. <laughs> well, that's the bad news. But the good news is the head of the English department was a very talented, patient, wonderful woman. And she took me under her wing, and she helped me and mentored me, gave me all the materials, and I had the summer to read all the novels, to study Hamlet, try to get a little bit of an idea of what it was all about. And then, even above that, my niece and her husband were out of a job and didn't have a place to stay. And we had a big house at the time. So I said, oh, come and live with us for a year until you get your feet on the ground. And I thought I was doing them a big favor. I'm letting them live in my house rent-free. Little did I know this was one of God's provisions for me. You see, they were both brilliant, well-educated people, and their area of strength was literature and writing. <laughs> So they helped me correct all these essays I had to correct. Many nights we'd sit together in the living room correcting essays. They taught me how to score them so it would be fair from paper to paper. I just knew math. It's very objective, you know. How do you do papers in a fair way? Anyway, they taught me that. And then near the end of the year, I had all these research papers I had to correct. And my dear younger brother, who had majored in history and had written a lot of research papers in college, came to my aid and helped me finish these. So, although I was not able to do this, God got me through it. And uh, as I obeyed, he enabled me to do something I really wasn't able to do. Now let me find where I am again. So when you are asked to do something that you feel you are unable to do, think twice before you refuse. Especially be careful that you're not saying no to God. You can say no to Pastor Paul. You can even say no to Nate, as big as he is. But don't say no to God, because if you do, you'll be missing out on a, some kind of amazing faith adventure as you allow God to do something you're, through you that you're not really able to do. We've all heard the story of Moses at the burning bush. We see how Moses tried to turn God down. I'm no good at public speaking, God. And do you know how many years it's been since I've been to Egypt? 
why don't you get somebody else? If I go into that throne room, I'm just going to stutter. Get somebody more qualified. But God, in his patience, kept saying, no, Moses, I want you. And Moses kept refusing. Can you believe the gall? I mean, when we refuse, we usually are refusing people, and we are not realizing maybe God's behind it. But it could not be be denied that God was behind this burning bush that really wasn't burning. And yet Moses said, no, no, I can't do it. And so God said, listen, Aaron's a really good public speaker. Bring him with you. I will let him be your spokesperson. And finally, Moses said, okay. Can you imagine the life adventure Moses would have missed out on if he had continued to say no to God? The whole thing about all the plagues, that was just the beginning. Then he had years in the wilderness as the main leader of the people of Israel, God's chosen race. He would have missed all of that if he had said, no, no, I can't do it, God, forget it, find somebody else. Maybe Aaron would have had the thrill. I don't know. God would have found somebody. But Moses finally, finally said yes, because God was merciful and patient and kept asking until he surrendered. And it's interesting to notice that when they actually went to speak to Pharaoh, Aaron didn't talk. It was Moses who spoke to Pharaoh, the one who said he couldn't talk. He was the one who said the words God had given him, God had given him to say to Pharaoh. And then later in the wilderness, Moses was the spokesperson for God. He was the big public speaker, an area that he thought was really weak. God developed into an area of strength in Moses. I doubt that he ever stuttered. My husband Steve and I were missionaries in Japan for 11 years. Steve grew up there with his missionary parents, so he had the gift of learning Japanese as a child, just a natural Japanese speaker. And then as he And as an adult, he continued to study Japanese and get better and better. He still tries to improve his skills in that area. But I had to learn Japanese as an adult. I think I started at about age 25 when we first went over there. And it is a very difficult language. So I always felt weak, inadequate, and handicapped living in Japan linguistically. I couldn't read hardly anything. And I spoke maybe at a third grade level at best. In our last three years in Japan, Steve and I ministered together with a pastor and his wife with two churches in the city of Toyota. And one day at our staff meeting, Pastor Ogata said, for Good Friday this year, we're going to have a joint service with our two churches. And I know it's going to be a really powerful service. And I have invited, or I am going to invite, a special guest speaker. We said, great, who are you going to invite? And he said, Betty-san, which is my nickname, Betty. In Japan, I never used Elizabeth, I used Betty. And Steve goes, what? (laughs) And I echoed it. And then we kind of laughed like he did just now. And we said, who are you really going to ask? And in my mind, I'm thinking, Number one, I'm not a preacher. Well, I've preached once or twice in the other church before we came here because Steve was sick. But I'm not a preacher. 
I have a hard enough time teaching the women's Bible studies in Japanese. My language is way too limited to preach. That's what's going on in my head. While Pastor Ogata's just calmly smiling at me. <laughs> and then in my spirit, I felt the conviction that it wasn't just Pastor Ogata asking me to do this, but it was God himself. And therefore I said, okay, I'll do it. And Pastor Ogata just said, good. Well, I strongly believe that God never asks us to do something without enabling us to do it. He's not going to ask us to fall on our face. If we go forward as, with our own best effort and trusting in his empowering, we will be able to do what he calls us to do. So I studied hard, prayed hard, prepared as best I could, and of course got vocabulary help from Steve, took careful notes. And I should add that at this time, my mother was very ill. She was bedridden and slowly dying. She lived in Seattle, some 5,000 miles away from where I lived. And I was clinically depressed. So each day was a struggle just for me to get through the day and try to be a good mother to my three little daughters. And at this point, God asked me to preach in Japanese and have a powerful message for Good Friday. Interesting, isn't it? I was truly, definitely weak. But God came through. After the service, one woman told me she was no longer afraid of death. And another woman came up to me and said, you know, when you were speaking, I saw this glowing circle around your face. And then several years later, when Steve went back to Toyota, a woman came up to him and said, please tell Betty-san that her ministry here changed my life. That's really hard to believe because it was those three years in Toyota when I felt the most needy, the most broken. It's really true that when we are weak and we depend on God, his power can really shine through us, and the glory is manifested in us, way beyond our expectations. When I was a little girl, we, we moved to Rancho Palos Verdes in Southern California when my dad received a call to start a mission congregation. And so for the first worship service in the sanctuary, we had a little organ, a little electric organ, but no organist. So my piano teacher was one of the new members of the church, and he went to her and he said, I need you to play organ for our worship service on Sunday. She said, I can't play organ. I'm a pianist. I'm not an organist. And my dad graciously said, well, that's okay. I'm sure you can do a fine job, and we need you. Well, she was a wonderful woman of faith. I'll never forget her. She said, okay, I'll do it until you can find a real organist. And then on Saturday when she was practicing, I was over at the church, she showed me she had written out Philippians 4.13 on a card and taped it on the organ. It says, For I can do everything God asks me to with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. 
That's actually the living translation. She had it written more like this. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. She told me she was relying on Jesus to help her play. Otherwise, she would never have the courage to play that little organ. I don't really even remember how well she played. I'm sure it was fine. But what I remember is her courage, faith, and willingness to humble herself and do something she felt inadequate at. It's often our own pride, our fear of failure or embarrassment that keeps us from serving. And we refuse. And we think we're refusing to save people from watching us fail. But we're really refusing because we want to save this ego of ours. And we're not trusting God to enable us to do anything he asks us to do. Again, the Living Bible translation says, For I can do everything God asks me to with the help of Christ, who gives me the strength and the power. I'd also like to read 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10 in both NIV translation and then in the Living Bible for you. This comes right after Paul wrote about his thorn in the flesh. Quote, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And in the Living Bible, it says, each time he said, quote, no, I am with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people, unquote. Now I can... Now I am glad to boast, Paul continues, about how weak I am. I'm glad to be a living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and abilities. Since I know it's all for Christ's good, I'm quite happy about the thorn and about insults and hardships, persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him, unquote. Paul had seen God's power come through in his weakness so many times that he learned to even be thankful for his weaknesses. Just think about the ministry of Johnny Erickson Tata. Totally paralyzed from the neck down, and yet she sang on the radio, witnessed on the radio, and more than that, she's been in a wheelchair all of her life, and I'm sure many times she asked God to heal her. But she was able to help so many people all over the whole world because of her weakness. She distributed, she has been distributing wheelchairs and inspiring and courage to so many people who are handicapped that she never could have reached if she hadn't been helpless herself. God's power in our weakness is beyond what we can imagine. I know you've been talking about and praying for revival, and you know it's nothing that you can generate. It's only God who can bring it about. That's also true with each individual's conversion. They're coming to faith in Christ. 
We can share our faith and perhaps try to convince someone of the truth of the gospel. But it will have no effect at all if God's spirit doesn't awaken their spirit. When I taught Bible studies to Japanese women, both in Japan and in Seattle, it was amazing to see the light of faith suddenly turn on in one of those women. A woman might come week after week, but just not get it. And then one day, she'd be different. Through her comments and her questions, I knew suddenly she had spiritual understanding. It was like God turned on a light bulb in her brain and she finally could see the truth. That happened many times with several women. And every time I knew it was nothing I had said, nothing I had done, it was always an act of God. Oswald Chambers, in his devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, wrote, quote, Belief in Jesus is a miracle produced only by the effectiveness of redemption, not by impressive speech, nor by wooing and persuading, but only by the sheer unaided power of God, unquote. God has asked each one of us to be his witnesses. You may think you're weak or inadequate at sharing the gospel with non-Christians, but go ahead and do it anyway out of obedience to Christ. As we pray and depend on him to give us the right words, God can use us even in our inadequacy, even in perhaps our shyness or our weakness or our lack of theological education. We've each been called to witness and it's God's spirit that does all the work of conversion. So don't think about your inadequacies. Focus on God's power. Of course, go ahead and keep working and serving in your areas of strength. That's good. Use your talents. That's what you got them for. Giving God the glory and let him expand those abilities far beyond anything you ever imagined you could do. But also today, let's take a few, few minutes just to think about those areas in which you feel weak or some things you just don't like doing. Let's ask God to give us willing hearts of surrender and faith in his power to enable us to do whatever he asks us to do. Don't limit God and don't limit what he can do through you. Let's take a few minutes now to privately think about something God may be asking you to do. Maybe you've been refusing him or pretending that you don't really hear him. Is it something you don't like doing or something you feel you're bad at? He may provide someone to help you like he did Moses. You may discover a talent you never knew you had. Or he may even change your weakness into an area of strength like he did with Johnny Erickson Tada. But for sure, as you obey his call, his strength will be manifested in your weakness. But beware, if you say no to God, to his calling, you'll miss out on a wonderful faith adventure. As we take a few minutes now, I want you to privately pray and reflect and write down any thoughts God might give you. Perhaps there's something even now that God is calling you to do. Then, as you feel comfortable, you can share with your neighbor and pray for each other. Let's pray.
Lord, please speak to each one of us today. You have called us to be your witnesses. Please give us the love and the courage we need to answer that call. Thank you that we can depend on your Spirit's power and not on our own. Also, Lord, show us any new areas of service you may be leading us into and keep our hearts open and willing to say yes to whatever you might ask us to do, both today and in the future. In your powerful name we pray it. Amen.